and welcome to Living Laudato Sea. I'm Michaela Howard-Jones. This is the third episode in this series and today we're going to be looking at what nature play and playing in mystery looks like inside and outside the classroom. If you haven't heard our previous two episodes on wonder and awe and integral ecology, I would highly recommend checking them out wherever you get your podcasts. At the top of today's episode, James Merston and I sat down with Father James McAvoy to talk about how nature play and playing in mystery finds a place in theology and in his own life. The very reality of God is that, you know, God is, God is not one item in our world. God is not, uh, you know, like a big person or, a, you know, or any other item in our world amongst others. God is transcendent. God is beyond the world. And yet the very origin and the fulfillment of it and so, um, probably the most important Catholic theologian of the 20th century then, Karl Rahner, calls his, his primary word for God, he uses this more than the word God, I think, is simply mystery with a capital M yeah. because be, to, to emphasize the transcendence. But the transcendence doesn't mean that God is not present, but God is present and active. God is both imminent in that sense, present, but but also beyond, and so so that's mystery, and uh, and so when you're thinking about children playing in mystery, uh, the whole point I think is that they um, uh, they are led in different ways, you know, through all sorts of different things, uh, into that sense of you know, awe, a, a gratitude, mystery. You know, the thing I have in mind here is my my one of my gorgeous little great nephews i've got uh, one great niece and uh, uh four great nephews uh, and uh, the third of those is his name is owen or oe as we call him and uh, he he uh, one day i was with he and amy as mum and we were picking up his older brother from kindy and uh, we were a little early so we were waiting across in uh, the park, across the road from the kindy, you know, and uh, it's a, it's a gorgeous park. There's you know there's all sorts of play equipment there that kids love to play on, and, and there's a surrounding area of sort of bushland. It's not huge, but 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 there it is. So you know, I I turn up and there's Owen, and um, Amy there, and uh, you know, here's me thinking we'll be. On the equipment going down the slide, I said, but no, oh, he's out the back and wandering, uh, wandering through the, the bushes and the trees and not getting lost in them, but absorbed in them and the scent and, uh, and totally captivated by that. Uh, and apparently, that's what he did every time, you know. Uh, so, really uh, loving to be present and in relationship with it. Um, yeah, you know, a bit lost, not, not not physically lost or not lost in his mind, but really loving to be present and lost in the experience in that sense. I, I, that's a one experience of mystery that, that comes to my mind. But kids have lots of different ways of doing that, and uh, I'm sure you've got lots of experiences with your own children. I got the chance to sit down with Kelly Davies from St. Raphael's School to talk through how she has nurtured her year one's natural curiosity of nature this year. 
And when we're talking as students as young as year ones, do you think that they have, from what you've seen, that natural curiosity in them about nature? Or is it something you sort of have to um, really nurture to bring out in your experiences term? Yeah, I think that some of them did have it. um, But I do believe that it's something I've had to nurture as well. And I think that trying to get the families to connect with it too has been a great way to actually involve everybody. Mm. And I think um, think a lot of kids these days spend a a lot of time on devices mm. and um, I, I just think that they need more experiences outside and they actually need to be taught how to actually interact with the outdoor learning spaces. Um, we're a little bit disappointed that um, at this term we've actually lost our nature play space mm-hmm. um, and it really came at a bad time because um, I had actually planned to go out for mass for capacity into the sand pit to do some porridge play and then it was just suddenly fenced off and we're like oh no and um, that's one thing we've been talking about as teachers is that students actually need to learn how to engage and play in that space. Mm. There are some kids that do it all the time and they know how to do it really well but we have a lot of learners that actually don't really know how to interact and socialise and play in those nature spaces Mm. and I think one of the things is that they haven't had enough, enough opportunity to actually do it. Um, we've also got a nature table in the classroom um, and so students and, and myself as well, like, so I have a place down at Aldinga. I'm often going for walks on the weekend and finding you know, shells and all sorts of things um, down on the beach which I bring back and we look at them as part of our prayer space on Monday mornings um, and the kids are often collecting their own things and bringing them in onto the nature table and we share them with each other. I've actually set some other weekend challenges as well. So um, I've got them to go out and find something that inspires their curiosity. Um, mm. So we um, at our school we use learner dispositions and one of our learner dispositions is a curious learner disposition. So they had to find something that made them wonder. Um, and they brought it back to school and we shared it as part of our prayer learning in the morning. And then instead of writing a weekend recount, they actually wrote a, we- a recount about what they learnt what they found so um, on the weekend I went out into nature I found this it made me wonder and then they you know had their wondering questions. Next up is the beautiful St Catharines in Stirling where I had the opportunity to sit down with APRAM Christina Dorr to talk about how she has seen some of the most impactful success in implementing nature play across all year levels with some super creative and low cost ideas. But first is little Felix, a reception student at St Catharines who walked me through all of his favourite places to play in the schoolyard. Do you know what else is out there other than the oval? Yes. What else is out there other than the oval? Um, the forest. Okay, and um, what's inside the forest? Tell me all about it. Uh, a plastic rowing boat. And is is the plastic rowing boat in water or is it just for pretend? Uh, pretend okay. in bark chips. Oh, in bark chips. Do you like to play on the rowboat? Uh, yes. What kind of games do you play in the rowboat? Pirates. Oh, really? You like to play pirates? Are you the pirate? Um, everyone, but sometimes I be... I am versing the, um, the other team. Oh, you're versing. And what do you play? Like, what kinds of things do you do? Um, in Pirates, mm-hmm. we nice fight. You nice fight. Okay. But with sticks, not swords. That's good. No swords at school. That's important. Okay. And uh, do you think that you usually win? 
Uh, yes. Okay, you're a good pirate then, mm-hmm. like a strong one. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Do you want to explain to Michaela about what it is you like about cubby building? Because when we did it, we put a flag on it. Oh, was it a pirate ship flag? Yeah. So where did you build this cubby? On the oval. And what did you build it out of? It's something that pandas eat, but I can't remember. Do you think it's bamboo? Oh, yeah, it was bamboo. It's bamboo. Okay, that's brilliant. Cool. So what kind of – you took the bamboo and what, did you make it into walls and doors and stuff? Or what did you do with the bamboo? Um, We put them into sticks and we put the flag – we put a really long bamboo on the top and it, and then we put the flag on. Is it still out there? No. It's not out there anymore. But so did you get to play with it once you built it then? Yeah. Okay, and what kind of games did you play in the cubby house? Um, Pirates. Oh, Pirates again. This sounds like your favourite game. I don't think I've ever played Pirates, uh, but I think I'm going to have to give it a go. It sounds like fun. Yeah. It's good fun. Yeah. was very fortunate actually a couple of days ago um so it's you know very topical question I guess to witness um one of our students who does you know have some additional needs and that sort of thing isn't possibly you know the world's biggest risk taker or anything like that um you know likes the comfort zone and that sort of thing um also sometimes can be quite overwhelmed um in big environments and that sort of thing so the the yard has been a bit of a tricky area for this um, this student and I was actually very fortunate to witness the scaffolding that took place in the natural environment um, which had this child kind of seeking you know out a um, trusted caregiver a educator in our schoolyard to kind of scaffold um, their engagement with one of the trees in our yard um, and at first it was like can you just you know plop me up there like lift me and kind of get me up there like recognizing they wanted to be you know perched in this this branch space but watching the teacher as well go look I think you can do this like let's let's do a lap around the tree let's have an assessment of where you know there are some little footholds where there's some handholds and that sort of thing you know taking those little scaffolded steps to kind of get up there to start with and then go actually I'm not sure this is the best way to get up and rather than the teacher kind of just doing it for this student, there was such a problem-solving process which was being unpacked, which could have easily have happened in a STEM lesson in a classroom with concrete materials, with, you know, a unit plan, all that sort of stuff, all curriculum alignment to a car and this, that and the other. But instead it happened outside authentically in that child's, you know, zone of proximal development, they could see where they wanted to be. They could see where they needed to go for help. They had, you know, a good relationship with this teacher. And the teacher was there, didn't have to, you know, physically help at all, just scaffolding with the right steps. You can do this. All right, let's go around the other side and see. All right, try a step up on there. Oh, no, you know, maybe that's not the best way to be facing if you're going to go up to the next kind of foothold on that tree and that sort of thing and just watching it was just the most beautiful um yeah it's just scaffolded learning experience and then the the pride on this child when they were you know able to kind of scale this tree um and what a celebration for this child to be out in the yard 
oh, I'm even getting all a bit emotional. Out in the yard, kind of engaging um, and doing what every other child, you know, wants to do as well. So I think looking at that, it just makes it all worth it. Certainly, I think one of the easiest things to do is to, when you're driving around on the weekends and people have those piles of their kitchenwares out and a sign on them that says free, you grab every pot, every pan, every um, cake tin, every wooden spoon, those sorts of things, and you bring them back to school and you start with that. Um, I think majority of schools have a sand pit and that in itself is such a simple way to start with um, you know, getting that tactile exploration and things like that. And the creativity that comes out of a pile of unloved kitchenware and a, you know, an area of sand is unreal. There's, you know, cake stores happening, there's soup kitchens happening, that, you know, making sand castles. Um, you know, they're interacting with each other. There's all those social skills as well. Um, for teachers, I think it's great as well. You're out in yard duty and kids are coming up offering you a, you know, something that they've crafted out of these cake tins and teachers are involved as well and responding and, you know, building those relationships, um, not just between students, but between adults and students as well. Mm. Um, It's just an endless opportunity. So that's a very, very simple starting point. Um, Maybe the areas you're in don't have, you know, roadside um, refuge stuff that you can kind of dig through and take chuck a bucket of water out there in the sand pit. You know, it's amazing what comes from just a couple of little tubs of water. Mm. Um, you know, those those uh, tubs you can often get from Kmart or Ned's or whatever, just a couple of them out, fill them up. Once the water's gone, guys, it's gone. Like they soon recognise as well the value of um, uh, maintaining the resources too. So, you know, you might have the time where one or two children tip it all out and the water's all gone, but it doesn't take long for them to realise, look, if we, you know, salvage the waters that's there we'll get longer you know um time out of the water and more opportunity to be creative and things like that but it's just simple things like that um it doesn't have to be fancy Mm. it doesn't have to be glamorous it doesn't have to be pinterest worthy um (laughs) and i think sometimes we're lulled into thinking that's what it's looked like because social media is everywhere and it goes oh you know the nature play looks like this and you know they're the most perfect you know fancy feathers and you know this that and they miss like nothing's mismatched and stuff but it is it is mismatched it is you know the pans are a bit wonky and things like that and it doesn't matter the kids don't they don't care they're quite happy to get in there and get messy and and that's all part of the process I don't think um, we see a hesitation in our older students in engaging with it. So maybe the way they engage with it is a bit different. But in saying that, um, you know, they've got siblings, they've made relationships with their siblings' friends and things like that. So there's there's um, already, you know, buddy class structures and things like that. And we do lots of those sorts of experiences with those younger or older age groups too. So... I think um, they see the worth in those experiences in the way they kind of connect with each other and and build relationships and things like that. But again, the versatility in what nature play looks like is huge. So sitting in a tree is, you know, playing with nature. So the older children certainly love climbing the trees and, and that sort of thing and taking those calculated risks and they've been doing it from reception. So the way they first entered that tree when they started our school might be somewhat different to how they enter that tree as a year six student. Um, and we recently had um, 
because we're coming to that time of the year as well where the year sixes are reflecting on their their time at St Catherine's and reading some of their pieces of work around their engagement with our school and their, their narratives around what they're going to remember, it's the nature. They are remembering, you know, their times in the trees, in the sand pits, the description, and, like, it really was goosebump-worthy what they were writing. Um, and you, you can hear exactly what they were hearing and get, you know, that full five senses experience from their text. And I think that's, you know, all the evidence you need that it's impactful. Before recess that day, I had a chat with Holly and Adele, two year six students, to talk about some of the major initiatives they lead for their school. We made a club for lunch. Uh huh. What's the club called? Uh, m- mix and, and make mud kitchen, kitchen and nature, nature play. play. Did you guys plan to say that at the same time, or are you just so in sync? Just in so sync. in sync. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can you say that again one more time, nice and clear? Mix and make mud kitchen and nature play. Okay, mix and make mud kitchen and nature play. Say that ten times fast, am I right? So what do you do when you – I'm not going to say it again. What do you do when you when you play and hang out in this club? Um, we do mandalas, nature potions and mud kitchen. Okay. Yeah. The most popular one is the mug kitchen. Okay. And do you know, I mean, look, you're a, little, you're a little older, okay, you're in year six now, so you're sort of like leaders, Yeah. Do you still love getting out there and getting a little bit muddy? Yeah. yeah. Well, we can't use real mud because we don't want to use the dirt, so we just we just get sand and then put water in it. Ah, okay, cool. And then we put sand back to dry. I, lo- I love that you call it not real mud, like it's fake mud. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's pretend mud, guys. Don't worry about it. Um, and is this something you do just with the year sixes? Um, no. Not really. We do it for the whole school, but mostly like receptions and the younger primary school want to come and play. Mm-hmm. And what do you like about working with the receptions? Like as, you know, like we keep saying, you're your sixes now, but you still, you know, yeah. get to work with them. What What is well, it about that you like? Well, I very mean, rarely when like year fours and that come, they don't need much help, but the receptions need help. So it's fun for us too, instead of just standing around. Like they create their own stuff and they kind of also teach us a fun way to um, do things. Oh, really? They they teach you a fun way to do things. What kind of things do they teach you then? Well, I mean... They teach us to be, like, more creative in that, like, use our resources. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if we don't have a Pacific flower, like, they want a yellow flower, they just pick their next favourite colour or they go searching in the forest to go find a yellow flower or something mm-hmm. well they find yellow leaves because we've got a couple of those mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that that's great that you can also learn from them and so so that's one of the things you've got I've already forgotten what this crazy long name for this club is don't say it again I might my head <laughs> might explode um so you've got this club that's about the environment so any other kinds of things that happen here at St Catharines in terms of like things that you do to take care of the environment we have a chicken coop in a garden. Where's well, the chicken coop? What's the deal? It's in the wen- in the wetlands. So from the forest there's a gate and then you go down and there's a chicken coop and then garden beds. Mm-hmm. I love that. Have you been in to meet and mingle with the chickens before? Yeah. yeah. And uh-huh. we sometimes we also help take care of the plants and that. Mm-hmm. And that's part of like your jobs is to go in there and take care of the chickens? Yeah. Not all the time. Yeah. But- Rarely we get to do it, but when it when we do, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Yeah. Can't wait. It's a chicken day today, and then mm. you get really excited about it. Yeah. 
Finally, to finish off, APRAM Carol Jurell walked me through what the start of the school day looks like for the students at St. Therese. And you talked about calling that like a soft landing. Yeah. Like yeah. When, you, when you actually say soft landing, what, is, what does that mean for the students in the beginning of their day? So I guess a soft landing is um, a term, I come from a counselling background, so I guess um, I I use that term because sometimes mornings are chaotic, Um, Mm. things go wrong, people run late, things get lost, people wake up on the wrong side of the bed, like, yeah, mornings can be chaotic and then transitioning into a school environment can trigger a lot of... um, um, unease um, for students so when they come in and they've got something that's predictable safe secure they can immediately focus on and engage with and it gives them that opportunity to unwind relax explore be curious and playful it's it provides that soft landing that soothing comfortable experience and Mm. it gives them an amazing start to the day and they'll have other activities on the tables but usually about half of them in each class are of a nature experience you know it could be sand play um i remember one um one day that was just gorgeous it was like a excavation experience so they had the dirt but then hidden in the dirt were lots of little nature objects for them to experience so it was like they were little archaeologists just exploring in there yeah yeah you know and it could be like another day there was um, a bunch of herbs so the students were in there and they were um breaking up the herbs into smaller pieces and there was a sensory experience so they could smell and feel and the different smells of the herbs, you know, it was just, their curiosity was just exploring all of it. So, yeah. Yeah. My last question for you would be in that the year is coming to a bit of a close now, we're getting towards the end. Um, If there were any people who are listening, I suppose for people who are going, that sounds really great, I'd love to do something like that with my school moving forward, If you look back at where you were in March and everything that sort of happened between, if you could give yourself back at that point, that beginning of the journey, one piece of advice for success for the year, what do you think that would be? Um, Don't doubt yourself and what you're capable of. And we were really unsure with what to do because the choice, like there's so many choices of what you can do. It was... Trusting yourself and where you're already at and just building upon that, keeping things simple. You don't have to put a lot of money or resources into it, so don't get disheartened. Mm. If you don't have, you know, financial resources, you know, I think it's just trusting yourself and looking at – there's an article that Alice shared with us that was really inspiring and it had lots of ideas in there And the one thing that really jumped out at us was it doesn't have to be complex. Just create moments by which your students are experiencing nature and the rest will come and flow from that. And that was so true. I think we put pressure on ourselves in the beginning to make things happen and make them exceptional and a lot of hard work. No, 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 no. Just make it simple experiences connecting with nature and it all flows from that.
thank you for joining us here on Living Ladado C. Our next episode is going to be our last for this series, all about ecological conversion and what that actually looks and sounds like in a primary school community. If you haven't heard our previous episodes in this series, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow this channel so you don't miss our last episode. This podcast was produced by ArchD Radio on Podcasting on behalf of Catholic Education South Australia. My name's Michaela Howard-Jones. See you again in our next episode.